Welcome back to the Montgomery Companies Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Montgomery. And today, I'm with a guy that I've followed for many years, but is a newer friend, a guy by the name of Chad Greenway. I'm going to give a shout out to our mutual friend, Eric Wood, for connecting us and putting us in touch. Let me tell you about Chad. Chad played 11 years in the NFL for the Minnesota Vikings. He's a former pro bowler and a first-round draft pick from the University of Iowa, where he was a first-team All-American. Chad is now a partner with Great Duck Spirits and Great Duck Vodka, and he's leading through charitable work in the Lead the Way Foundation. We're going to talk about that. It's also important to know that Chad was a nominee for the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award, one of the truly special awards in the NFL, handed out each year to an NFL player for service and charity. Finally, Chad is married to Jenny. He is a proud girl dad to four awesome daughters who are making big-time noise in the world of sports. We're going to talk about the Greenway gang, but at this time, we want to welcome Chad Greenway to the show. Chad, thanks for being with us. You bet. Yeah, thanks for being on. Uh, thanks for having me on, I guess. It's, uh, it's exciting. Uh, I, I get to know you're a massive Hawkeye fan and a, and a Rube like myself now. So uh, now that my playing days are over, I'm just a Rube like you. Well, no, we have a ton of Hawkeye fans who are listening, and I grew up a diehard Hawkeye fan. I think most people listening to the show probably know that about me. And we've had some great former Hawkeyes on the Montgomery Companies podcast. We trust this will be an episode that is well-received. You know, what I find interesting, Chad, when I think about your background, is you grew up in South Dakota, and I remember when we recruited you to the University of Iowa, it was kind of like, who's this South Dakota kid that played nine-man football? I think he had one scholarship offer. And to me, what stood out about your journey is that you played the game and lived your life with a heart of gratitude and kind of a posture of humility. Um, I remember you said this in an interview, the first time you played 11-man football was when you got to the University of Iowa, which is crazy to me for a guy that goes on to have a Pro Bowl career in the NFL over an 11-year span. So could you take us back to the days and just help us understand your background growing up in South Dakota? Yeah, I kind of set the, set the scene. I mean... Uh, Mount Vernon's a town just off of I-90 heading west through South Dakota. If you get past the Corn Palace and Mitchell, we're the next town. Uh, about 400 people. Um, I think it was population 368 when I was growing up. Um, we got paved roads when I was in high school, actually, um, which was a big deal uh, in town. You know, we're sort of the, we're famous for Wormer Steakhouse on Main Street. We got like three businesses, a couple gas stations, mechanic shop. I mean, it's it's small town Americana. I mean, Iowa's got a million, a million towns like that. Um, and South Dakota is more of the same. So for me growing up, you know, both my folks graduated from Mount Vernon High School. Uh, my dad went to country school until eighth grade and went to high school in Mount Vernon High, uh, high School. Um, high school sweethearts that got married, both both farmer, both uh, came from farmers. Um, so my, my grandparents on, on both sides farm, aunts and uncles farm on both sides. Um, and I grew up on a farm. So my, my folks got, you know, married at 18 and and away you go, you know, product of the 70s, so to speak. You know, they just, they just let it rip and they try to figure it out the hard way. You know, kind of school hard knocks, no secondary education at all. Um, you know, kind of learned the ropes the hard way. You know, you know, future, you know, fast forward. You know, my dad's passed in 2014. But, you know, fast forward from 20 to 20, 2000 to 2014, I mean, selling futures in the grain market. They're, they're running their business. They're growing a business. They've, they really kind of came about the hard way. And, and never really took a dollar from anybody, you know, never, never, never spite a neighbor, um, never tried to take land from somebody, always made moral, ethical and, and uh, great decisions uh, for each other and for the family. Um, so growing up, I grew up in that environment. I was the youngest of three. I have two older sisters who used to just beat the brakes out of me every chance they got uh, until I got until I got bigger and stronger. And 
Um, you know, and I, and I grew up the, a typical farm boy. I mean, I was outside 24 seven. Um, mm. I guess what was probably unique to me is, you know, not, not unique to a lot of boys growing up in, in America, but I wanted to play professional sports. Sports was, I was, I was a fanatic, um, whatever ball there was, I wanted to play it, football, baseball, basketball, ran track. Um, and, and it was encouraged in a small town way. I mean, everybody's there on Friday night lights, every hometown basketball game, every away game in basketball, we're traveling wherever, you know, track, you know, it's almost mandatory. Our, our football coach had a no track, no back. So if you weren't running track, you weren't playing quarterback or running back, you know, it was that mentality. And, right. uh, you know, I always liken it to giving me the biggest advantage possible in my career of what I chose, which was, which was football was growing up in that town. Um, you know, the town is, is uh, humble by nature. It's modest. Um, you know, you, you don't brag, you don't, you don't, uh, you don't say too much. Um, and I think the, the part for me was that I had a, I kind of have an arrogant streak and ego about me. Um, but it kind of, it's kind of just more of like, confident in my own abilities and what I can do growing up. And, mm-hmm. and when I went to neighboring towns, big rivals, as you know, those small towns become massive rivals. Um, you know, I, I had a, I had sort of a chip on my shoulder because when I walked into every gym on every football field, they wanted to try to stop me. Right. And, and I was sort of this, this unleashed beast, you know, that, that had never been seen before in that area. Um, so I really embraced that. And I think that really started, um, what would really kind of become my biggest advantage, you know, over and above living on a farm and growing up on a farm and learn how to work, um, get up early, you know, grind was, was this developing chip on my shoulder of determination that I was going to prove everybody wrong, starting with myself and the fear that I, that I live with of, of failure. Um, and I talk about that a lot, but you know, it was just, it was, it was an unbelievable childhood. Um, I don't think that I could have drawn it up any better. The parents I had were incredible, supportive, did not push me down any direction at all. Um, my sisters were great, uh, taught me a lot of hard lessons and good lessons and continue to support me all through my career. Both grand, all sets of grandparents were involved, would come to all of my games, would travel up to see me to play, uh, you know, at Iowa and then the pros. Aunts and uncles, extended family were always involved. It's just incredible childhood. Man, I love the way you talk about where you came from. Some would say you were the best athlete ever to come out of the state of South Dakota. You have this decorated high school playing career. In fact, I think the Iowa coaching staff came to visit you in the middle of the snowstorm to uh, give you your only Division One offer. Is that right? Yeah. So they come see you in the snowstorm. They give you a scholarship offer to the University of Iowa. You have this incredible career at the University of Iowa. Kirk Ferentz goes on to call you one of the most coachable players he's ever been around. And I want to spend some time on that. I believe the first step in learning to lead is learning to follow. And you clearly learned to follow at a really young age. You were coachable. You were open-minded. I also believe that leaders grow leaders. So I want to spend just a little bit of time on what it was like to learn from Coach Ferentz, uh, the late Norm Parker, Phil Parker. What did you learn from some of those great coaches that you were able to spend time with? Yeah, I think my developing leadership started on the farm, um, and I don't want to pass up my folks uh, and the opportunities. So when I was growing up, the responsibilities I had, the chores I had, so to speak, they mattered. They mattered for our livelihood. They mattered for our business. They mattered for our farm to be successful. It's a fix and fence, loading pigs, moving cows, cutting teeth and tails, uh, whatever it was, right? Um, it was just It was just part of my chores, but it was a responsibility that mattered. And I think when you give kids responsibilities that matter at eight, 10, 12, 14 years old, you, you have a sense of responsibility to people other than yourself. 
And again, your, your position on, you have to, you have to lead to learn how to, you know, have to follow to learn how to lead. Um, there's no question about that. You go load pigs with, uh, with five of your family members, six of your family members, and you got to find your position in that line, that cog in the wheel to hold your, hold the line and do it right. And, and watch your dad and mom work and interact and fight and make up and, and do all the things that leaders and followers and teammates all do. And then you do your role to the best. And the best part about loading pigs was you had to swear as a kid. Um, that was the one plot. That was the one spot you could do it and get away with it. Cause mom and dad was give you a look and said, I'll give you a licking. Um, but you know, so when I, when I went to, when I went to the recruiting process, it was funny because my parents had such a good barometer of what a good person was, who's coming into our home. So when Reese Morgan walks into your home, you know what you're going to get. When Kirk Ferentz walks into your home, you know, they trusted him. They, they leaned into that and they could feel it. Um, and other guys, they didn't. Um, there was a couple of guys that walked, that came in and they didn't have the same feeling. So when we went down to Iowa city and started kind of that process and, and I get offered a scholarship, um, I actually got offered a scholarship when Kirk Ferentz was, he was legitimately pulling on his khakis uh, to, to coach against Northwestern in 2000, um, in 2000, yeah, 2000, when we upset Northwestern at Kinnick, um, mm-hmm. Northwestern was ranked like 12th or 14th in the country and we beat them. And uh, he was literally pulling his khakis to explain to me how they're gonna have a scholarship available for me. And this was late in my senior year. I mean, you're talking November of my senior year, I get my only scholarship mm-hmm. offer. And, um, you know, I didn't realize at the time how lucky I was, um, how fortunate that mm-hmm. that, 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 program was the one to offer me you know nebraska asked me to walk on some other places asked me to walk on but for it to be that man uh, in that setting in that environment to know what ride i was going to get take after that you know there's a lot of life is about luck and you can argue all day long about making your luck or creating your luck or karma works in weird mysterious ways but but that man you know i owe everything to that program um and that decision for them to offer me a scholarship um but then i get into i get into camp and you know i i, I just want to take a, take a quick gander into my, my mindset. You know, I was the only division one football recruit in South Dakota. I was, I was a very quote unquote famous name from a small town. And um, there's a lot of pressure, you know, I put on myself to go, to go um, not only make it to Iowa, but also go play, you know, become something, not just a a guy who's on the sidelines, but to really um, go make it. And I had such a fear of failure that really drove me um, when I went to Iowa and I, and I went there and I just went as hard as I could. I didn't know any better. Right. And, um, went as hard as I could, everything I did. And I think it sort of becomes cliche in sports because everybody's always trying to grind and compete and, and, um, and do it, you know, snap after snap or play after play or day after day. And I, I think what I was able to separate myself was, um, again, the farm mentality of, of working every day as hard as you can, but never getting to reap the reward. Um, you know, that, that reward is kind of down the path. And mm. the kids started to look down the path instead of what was right in front of them. And I was able to kind of just, secure the bag every day, just day after day. And I started looking around after a couple months and I was redshirting. So, you know, I wasn't even on the field yet, but I could just see myself and feel myself separating from everybody else, whether it be a workout or strength or speed or mentality. And um, it was really, it, it was, it was maybe my, my ignorance or, or my stubbornness to just never stop and to continue to grind and to have this, this unique ability to focus on my, the tunnel vision of what's right in front of me rather than get distracted. Um, I think we're mm. two really big assets. Um, and I think then we'll kind of, I'll kind of curve into the coach, coach Ferentz and what they created there with Chris Doyle as well was just this idea that kids can come here and worry about one thing, being as good a football players as they can be as good as students as they can be and not get caught up in everything else, you know? Mm. Um, and, and that tunnel vision created a, a, an avenue that just breeds for success because you're there focused on one thing and one thing only and um, not getting caught up. But 
Um, probably the first eye-opening thing for me was, was getting appointed on the leadership council as a freshman. And mm-hmm. Coach Ferentz has a great leadership style about trusting young people that are going to do the right things and get a sense of that and, and then offer them responsibility, much like the farm, right? You get, you get responsibility as a young yeah. person. You, you need to live up to that. And when, when Coach Ferentz, you know, when you get appointed leadership council by being voted on by your peers, and now you're sitting as a freshman, 18-year-old kid from the middle of nowhere, you know, you're sitting with these seniors, right? You're sitting with Robert Gallery. You're sitting with Nate Cading, who's a sophomore at the time, and you're, you're in this group and you're in the conversation. And you say, wow, this is a heavy responsibility that I have to live up to. And then I sort of became, you know, amongst many others, it's not just me, amongst many others, sort of the, the culture bearer, right, of that, of that mm-hmm. class, of that program to say, you know what? We're going to take a bunch of hard scrabble two-star guys. We're going to do things the right way and the hard way. And we're going to become so mentally stiff that we are not going to give an inch. And, um, and we impose our will. That was our saying. That was Norm Parker to, to transition to Norm. Norm's, Norm's whole mantra was we are going to impose our will that we have built over the course of an offseason in a training camp, in the regular season. We are going to impose our will on you, and we're going to rain down no matter what the situation. And it's just going to be this thunder, right, of, of we just are not going to say no or be told no. Um, and it just, you know, and that's not something that, Maybe we were born with it in a sense, but not until you get in that environment where you're able to kind of grow it, right, and culture it. And all of a sudden you look around and you have all these all these guys that think the same way as you and have the same level of accountability as you. And then you just forge on and, you you know, you get bumps in the road and, nope, we're just going to we're gonna find another way, find another path. And it's just, it's just an amazing experience. Um, but Norm Parker was probably one of the most influential guys in my life. I mean, he really taught me a lot about um, humbleness, modesty especially once I started to have some success in college. Um, we were, it was my sophomore year. Uh, we were at Ohio state and we lost a tight game to the, to the Buckeyes. We, we defensively looking back, you know, my comments to the media were accurate because defensively we played lights out and offensively we just couldn't do enough to win the game. And I, I make the comment to the, to the news media and the print media after the game of, you know, he asked me sort of a leading question. You know, I was, I was pretty, pretty green at that time. And he led me right into the, into the trouble. He's like, you know, defense played great today. You know, what else could you guys have done? You know, that sort of mentality. And I just go, yeah, you're right. You know, defensively you gave up this many points and this many yards. So a really good football team. And, you know, just not sure what else we could have done. And, and I walk in the defensive meeting the next day, Sunday, and this was the best, probably one of the best lessons I've ever learned. Um, those comments, which, you know, if, if anybody's ever known me, like I, I eat my mistakes like for breakfast all the time. Like I, I, I love that because it, it sharpens me, right? It makes me mm. better. And I've always been that way. It, it wasn't, but I, he caught me in a bad moment. I said the wrong thing. And that's, that was just a fact. So I walk in the defensive meeting with uh, probably my 10 worst plays of the game. Every play, we went through every play. It was just me. Mm. And he was talking to just me, um, to the defense. And then we went to the team meeting and he did about half of that amount of plays. And then he put up the article and how it was written just sounded terrible, right? Like I'm blaming the offense for the loss and defensively look how good we did. And then you watch all these negative plays and the the mentality is like, listen, could you have done more? Could you have played better? It's never one person. It's never one side of the ball. Um, And and that just, I mean, that, that level of accountability, um, you know, it, it was really hard because I was a young, talented guy, but man, did he make an example of me. Um, and I think when you make an example of a guy who's towing the line and doing things the right way, you know, as much as I could, I, I, I tried to, I tried to be perfect. You know, we all fall short, but when you make an example of a guy like that, man, do people listen 
And do, mm. is that such an opportunity for a coach to kind of curate that culture even further and stronger? And it made me completely uh, the player I was. So going to the pros, it was like, this is just who we are as a Hawkeye. You see the Hawkeyes have so much success in, you know, post-career in the NFL. And that's one of the reasons is because we're able to eat our mistakes, man. I mean, it's just reality. We're not going to, we're not going to wish them away to somebody else. So powerful, man. I love that story. It makes me think about our mutual friend, Tim Bohannon. He's got this powerful question that he challenges leaders to ask of themselves. And the question is what part of the problem is me? You know, I think it's a great question that leaders just continually ask when something doesn't go well, whether you're 5% of the problem or 95% of the problem, what part of the problem is me? And I, I love the humility uh, and the self-awareness, Chad, that that you display, just kind of walking us through that story. I think that's been a big part of your journey. Uh, you've been such a great representative of the University of Iowa. In the theme of Iowa Hawkeye football, I'm going to put you on the spot. This one's for Hawkeye Nation. What was your favorite all-time Hawkeye memory? Uh, I'll, I'll go with two because the first one's non-football related, which is what people are looking for. My favorite memory is, and this is sort of became that way um, with my dad, was, um, was senior day. Um, running out, I can, remember, I can remember running out on my, the first game. I was redshirting my freshman year. I, I'm there. I'm in the stadium. I make uniform. I'm, I'm running out. I'm not going to play a lick that day. But that feeling of like, wow, like someday I'm going to play in front of these guys. Like if I can grind, if I can work. And then senior day, just to have that cap put on it. Um, I've watched that video back of running out and my folks are there. Obviously my dad um, and my mom and just uh, the emotional um, sort of, it just gets me because my mom's and dad's situation, my dad, mom and dad's um relationship with Iowa and coach Ferentz and all the parents and the tailgating and the fun and the relationships. And, and we never traveled as kids, right. Cause we have the farm and, and, and their ability to travel and see part of the country because of football, it just really is tied into a bow of how great college football and the university of Iowa is. Um, that would be my favorite memory because it's like, Holy cow. Um, not only did I make it, I played, I didn't have to change. I didn't have to become somebody different to do it. Uh, my dad's advice when I left for college, um, and it's really the only, you know, I would say sincere, real advice he gave me, um, but he was a man of few words, was just don't forget where you came from. Mm. And I think it's such a, a such an important, simple lesson that not people, not a lot of people talk about enough is you're going to go off into the world and represent your family and this town and this state. Um, how are you going to be remembered? You know, what kind of decisions are you going to make to be remembered? What kind of leader are you going to become? What kind of, what kind of follower are you going to become um, for those that are kind of, that are kind of in your wake, you know, coming after you and really resonated with me. So I look back at that photo. I, I watched the video actually, my mom sent it to me. Um, it popped up on like Facebook or some, some, one of those things. And, and it was just like instantly emotional for me mm. uh, just because of so many flooding Mac memories and, and amazing times in that stadium and, and those folks that were there. And then football wise, um, you know, unbelievable run that we were able to have, you know, have two partial partial um, rings on two big 10 titles, um, you know, was a part of the catch with Warren Holloway at the L against LSU. Um, I honestly think my favorite memory is beating Wisconsin my junior year in Kinnick to secure the big 10 title. Um, cause it was, we were home. It was an amazing, amazing game against a rival that we just dominated. And, um, they run, you know, fans rushed the field and just, it was just awesome. 
just an awesome game, awesome environment. It was cold. It was just Iowa football weather. At that point, of course, we're still playing on grass at Kinnick. Um, so it was, just, it was just everything great about, about Iowa football. I remember the catch, man. I remember the exact game you're talking about against Wisconsin. We secured the Big Ten title. Man, so many great memories for Hawkeye fans um, just to think back on when you played. And, and you had this transition from college to the NFL. And I remember you said when you made that transition, you and Jenny made a commitment to use your platform for good. And you'll be remembered, I think, as one of the more charitable Minnesota Vikings and, and probably just one of the more charitable NFL players, period. Can you help us understand where that desire to serve and be charitable comes from? Uh, it was pretty simple. Um, and, there's, and there's really three different things to play into it. One is, as I learned how to give back, again, this is, I don't want to beat it, uh, you know, I, I guess I don't want to say it that way. I don't want to beat my, uh, the drum again, but, but growing up, my, we didn't have extra cash or time a lot of time but we had food so my, my folks would donate either a whole pig or a whole cow to the church and they would donate the food out from that harvested cow or, or pig um to families to feed them during holidays so everybody had a meal you know everybody, everybody had a square meal for the holiday and um it was really a good lesson on we don't have a lot but we have this we have something that we can give to somebody and I think we always have to look at no matter what, you know, everybody always thinks if you're going to donate or be philanthropic, it has to be money. But a lot of times it's time. Your time is probably the most valuable thing you have in the world. Mm. So if you can give somebody your time, I think that's the most important thing you give it to, could give to anybody beyond, you know, any other measure. Um, but I think the other thing would be is that, that idea of togetherness, like we're going to give you a meal, like there's a meal, there's no excuse to get your family together and be together and, and find that moment in time. Um, and then I went to Iowa and we, and, and it was very important to the Iowa football program and Iowa athletics to go to the children's hospital, spend time there. Obviously now we have the wave with the children's hospital, which is just such a dynamic and amazing thing mm. for football and Iowa and the hospital and everything. Um, so I learned, you know, by the people around me, I didn't, I didn't like have this unique, unbelievable idea one day is like, I'm going to be different. No, it's like, it's, you're just around good people that teach you good lessons. And then it's like, are you willing to listen or not? And when I got drafted, um, you know, again, the Vikings had a nice, uh, did a really nice job of being charitable and community-based. Uh, there's a gentleman named Brad Madsen who's now retired, who was a kind of a community director. And he came in and was like, what do you guys want to do? Um, and I'm going to go backwards because the most important decision I ever made in my life, um, hands down was marrying Jenny. And we mm -hmm. met freshman year of college. Um, and what it did was it allowed me to just have a, a a clarity of mind that I didn't have to go out and be always looking for something else or getting the weeds on some trouble or getting be out late. And, um, you know, even, you know, and it was fun in college because of course you're hanging out with buddies and their girlfriends and it's just this great environment, right. Of just fun. And, and, um, then you, then you, we get married and go to the pros. We've been together for three, four years already. And it's like, I didn't have to go out there and chase, chase things. I didn't have to go out there, whether it be, you know, whether it be trying to be famous or become bigger than I thought I was, like I was super self-aware of who I was and I was really comfortable in that. And she always was, she's always been so good at laying out priorities and, and holding me to them and me holding her to them. And I think, you know, feeding off each other and wanting to make, you know, want to be each other, be proud of each other and all those, you know, whether it be decision-making or what we're doing. So when it became the opportunity is like, you know, we're going to, we're going to create this foundation. We're going to, we're going to create something bigger than ourselves. And, and our goal one day is for our kids to pass, you know, to take the torch. And at the time it was probably a little ignorant to think that, or naive maybe to think that we would be able to last that long and have a long career. But, you know, before you know it, you, you play 11 years, your career's over. 
now in five years removed from my career and our, our foundation is stronger than it's ever been. Like, we haven't ever been financially stronger. Our relationships haven't been better than they are right now. We're able, we're able to give more time to it, which is, which is awesome. And now we have a 14 year old, 11 year old, and, and they really start to understand what we're doing and the impact and they see it and they meet the families and the kids that we're, that we're impacting. And, and they're like, wow, you know, that could either be me one day, or I could be that sick kid, you know, you know, illness and disease doesn't care how much money you have or your lot in life. Um, and, or, or I could have a kid like that. I could have a family member. I could, you know, you just don't know the situation. You know, we're all so lucky to have our health and some of us aren't as lucky and we need to support those folks. So that was the direction we took. And it's been just a, it's been incredible. We have 10 of our lockers from our locker program across the Midwest from Fargo to Iowa city to Hudson, Wisconsin, and across the Metro and Sioux Falls. And, um, we do a number of different programs here in the, in the twin cities, um, for other moms of sick kids or families, uh, with sick children. We have a football camp. Um, we support a number of different organizations. Um, you know, and we do it in different ways. We do it with time. We do it with resources. We do it with money. Um, and we just try to diversify ourselves. And the single most important reason they were able to do that and grow is relationships. Mm. And, um, you know, I like to think if I shake your hand and you tell me something, I'm going to, I'm not only going to hear you, I'm going to listen mm. and I'm going to remember. And, um, I want to be authentic to who I am. And I think that's because of where I came from and the people that have been around me in my life. And I think that people um, want to be around authentic people that they can trust. And I feel like that's some, that's, that's, you know, something that Jenny and I are. Yeah, no doubt. As, as you're speaking to this, man, I think about the verse in Luke, I think it's Luke 12, 48 to whom has been given much, much will be required. And to whom has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. And I think about that verse when I think about your story and, and Jenny's story. Um, if people want to find out more about Lead the Way Foundation, where do they go to get more information? Yeah, obviously, you can always follow my, my social handles at chadgreenway 52 on Twitter and Instagram. But um, chadgreenway.org is where we run the foundation through a number of our different programs. So it's a super original website with chadgreenway.org. So um, <laughs> we didn't think outside the box on that one 15 years ago. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been, a it's been a wild ride, man. It's been a wild ride to, to think of, of where we got here. And I think, you know, I'm not as, I'm not great at, at verse, but the one that always resonates with me is as, um, iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. Right. And I think that's mm-hmm. something I've always thought about. And, and, um, and I just, you, you have to arm yourself with the right people around you and you have to be, mm-hmm. maybe the harder part is be willing to part with those that aren't. And, yes. um, and I think that those are decisions, whether it be family, friends, or acquaintances, we're like, you know what, this, this isn't for me. And I can't be armed with these people, um, because they aren't on the path that I'm on. And, uh, to understand that. And it's something it's, you know, it's, and it's not, it's not, uh, not, not as you don't want to bring those folks with you. Sometimes you try and try and try, but it's just not going to be in their nature. So we really talk about that a lot with our children about, you know, who, you know, the five people you hang around, right. That's who you become. Yeah. Um, so let's make sure we're hanging around the people that are getting to get to the same place that we want to go to. So good, man. Couldn't agree more. Powerful message. Obviously you've got great up. That's going well. You're, uh, working through your, your charitable endeavors. You're busy being a dad. You got four girls. We were just chatting offline before the, the conversation started. You're also the head of the youth basketball association. Is that accurate? So you're a busy guy, man. Um, I've got a loaded question What's next for Chad Greenway and the Greenway family? Yeah, so I retired. Madden was nine. She was in second grade, going to third grade, I think. And, and I, I love basketball. I was a basketball player before I was a football player growing up. Um, I just didn't get good enough or tall enough. And, um, 
And I, I, it's been so great because I've been away from the game of basketball for so long, from 18 to 34, essentially, 33. And now I just I go back in in a different sense in coaching. And I, I couldn't – you couldn't pay me enough money to coach football. Um, but I'll coach youth basketball all day long. So um, I love it. And girls listen. Boys never listen. And girls listen. Which is great. So true. Um, so true. So, so I became the Wyzetta Girls Basketball Association president. We have about 500 kids from second through eighth grade. Um, and we manage, I manage that. I'm, I'm the president of the board, a great board. And uh, we are sort of the in-school association um, for girls sports in our district. Um, and now, as you said, my oldest is in eighth grade. In Minnesota, you can play high school sports um, as a seventh or eighth grader. She can run track. You can play volleyball, basketball. So she started playing varsity hoops last year in seventh grade uh, for our, our Catholic school we go to, Providence Academy. Um, so she took him to the state championship game last year as a seventh grader, had an unbelievable season. She, she really cares about the game. She really, she really loves the game. She plays soccer and runs track as well. Um, as, I'm not sure if you, if we mentioned this, but Jenny ran track at Iowa and was a track athlete growing yeah. up. So, um, she's a dynamic athlete as well, which is, so the kids have no hope, but to be competitive. Um, right. but you know, Madden's a, a, you know, she's a unique talent. So, I mean, she's gotten uh, quite a bit of attention already. So it's been, you know, it's been a challenge to manage because it's sort of the opposite of what I had. I was sort of an underdog and under the radar. And so is Jenny. And, and now Madden sort of got a lot of attention because, um, you know, probably who her parents are, but also her level of ability. Um, she's able to secure a couple or a scholarship offer and, and has a lot of interest. And uh, it's a, it's an interesting thing to manage because you want her to be a kid and have fun and embrace being a child. She's 14. Um, but she has this unwavering passion to get better. Uh, just a fire. I, I don't even know if I can describe it. If I've ever, I think I was probably in college when I had that level of fire in my belly to be better. Um, so she's, she's impressive. Um, and she's better than she's better at math and she has a basketball. So that's a good thing. That's um, awesome. That comes from her mother. Thank God. Uh, so, and then my, and I have 11 year old uh, Beckett, who is just a wicked talent as well. Um, and then she's in fifth grade and I coach her currently in basketball um, soccer. They've both aged and uh, they've leveled out. I don't have any knowledge other than to cheer for them to hustle harder. So, um, and then I have, we have a seven and a five-year-old, um, who get carted and they're gym rats, right. Or they're soccer, they're soccer rats. They're at every, everything possible. Um, but I just love, um, how my, my career positioned itself and the timing allowed me to get out and, you know, the, the financial freedom that I'm able to have now allows me the one thing that people want is time. I have time to raise my kids. I have time to do what I want to do to raise my kids and help them and encourage them and coach them and embrace them when they need that. And, Man, that's that's uh, you know I think if you said uh, you know what's the best part about playing football? Well, it offers you financial freedom at a younger age. I mean, let's be honest, mm. that's been something that I, I never got into the game for that. I never really cared about that when I was doing it, but now it allows me to raise my family the way I want to, which is so awesome. Um, we started a high school sports app last year called well, we have we have in two states called SD Scores and MN Score Feeds. We have two high school scoring apps uh, that we launched last year with a, with a couple guys out of South Dakota, which has been super fun. Um, we're in two states and looking to expand. Uh, we have um, a number of users. I don't want to give the number, but it's, it's very good, and, and we're growing rapidly. That's been fun, and obviously, Great Duck Spirit. So we have uh, we have our vodka, Great Duck vodka. We have Great Duck seltzer. Um, we're looking to add um, more to what we're doing. Um, we view Great Duck as probably more of a regional brand, so Minnesota looking out into the states surrounding. Um, but as we kind of learn the business and understand, um, we know there's a national profile that we can fit as well. And we're trying to kind of work our, our get our heads around that, um, and understand before we invest a bunch of money in the wrong direction. So, um, but right now my biggest attention and my biggest focus is the, the new farm we just bought uh, about 20 minutes from our home here. Uh, awesome. and I love, 
I love to uh, the fact that my life is a little bit gone back to full circle. And I was ripping fence lines out yesterday just because um, I needed a therapy session. And uh, I went out, I went out there for a couple hours and got, you know, had to speak to God and, and, uh, and have a little therapy. And it was, um, it was, it was awesome. It's great, man. Well, you know, when you talk to Chad Greenway, it's like, you're just getting started as much as you've accomplished there's a fire in your belly, and God's got a bigger plan for your life. We look forward to watching you and Jenny and your family grow and succeed. Um, anything you want to leave our audience with? Anything that you want us to know before we sign off with Chad Greenway? No, I think the I think the as I've, I'm 38 now, and as I you know get older, um, and I, I I realize more and more you know what my dad said and the importance of it. Right, with never forget where you came from, and that can mean a lot of things. That can be a pretty loaded statement if you come from a broken home in an inner city or or from a broken home in the country, or you come from an unbelievably wealthy family, you know, backgrounds tell you a lot about who you are, but um, that doesn't mean that has to be your end result. So mm-hmm. never forget where you came from can be, listen, never forget that struggle you went through to get to where you are, right? Never forget where you came from can be, hey, listen, you were born with a silver spoon in your mouth, but doesn't that, that doesn't have to be your outcome, right? You can grind for whatever mm-hmm. you want to grind for. Um, you can let yourself make mistakes, um, never forget where you came from can mean you have an unbelievable childhood, but, but didn't have a lot of extra like me. And, and you just say, you know what, I had every, you know, American dream in front of me that I could have. And I had great people around me and, and great decision makers allowed me to help me make good decisions. Um, and man, I think the last thing would be is, uh, is marry somebody that makes you better. Uh, marry somebody that pushes you and is willing to say the things, um, you know, when, after, a after the 13th loss of your three and 13 season and, you come home and you're sore, tired, beat up, broken ribs. And she says, you got to get up and take the kids to school tomorrow. They have this project too. Make sure you get that done too. I have a workout class to go teach. Um, you know, that's who you need to surround yourself with. Not somebody who's going to always feel sorry for you and give you the easy way out. I think, I think marrying the right person to drive you and motivate you is so wildly important. Um, and uh, so, I mean, obviously the furthest thing from perfect, but the most aware person of that uh, would probably be the best way to describe me. And, um, and again, like I said, in the film room, I tell us to every board member I can talk about or every CEO of any company said, you want your company to achieve or to grow or to get better or become more efficient said, watch film of your performance together and mm-hmm. a level of accountability that nobody could hide and nobody can point fingers. Uh, and that's the NFL world. And that world taught me a lot about myself and a lot about responsibility and how to lead. And um, it also teaches you probably more importantly of who's not willing to do that. Mm. Uh, and I think that's something that's really important to learn. So uh, I don't know. That's me in a nutshell. Uh, my wife thinks I'm an idiot most of the time, but she still likes me. <laughs> well, I'm telling you, man, the Norm Parker story will stick with me forever. That was amazing. And I love the way that you talk about your family. Uh, my wife and I, we were preparing for the show and, you know, we do our research. We got our show notes together. And as we're preparing for the show, she says, here's a man who honors his wife. And, and you do, man. I just want uh, you to know that, um, that we, we see that. Uh, we love how you honor Jenny, how you honor your family. Um, obviously, your family's present in your activities and your charity work uh, and your business. So just appreciate the way that you honor your girls. And as a fellow girl dad and as a husband, I, I love the way that uh, you talk about your wife. Well, we want to give a shout out to Eric Wood, um, another former pro bowler, Eric is the reason that you and I got connected. And Eric said this to me, man. He said, uh, you're going to love this about Chad. He's got great humility and he's just down to earth. He is a guy that's remembered where he's come from. And that's you, man. So just appreciate your spirit. Thanks for spending some of your very valuable time with us. 
in the Montgomery Companies community. Man, I look forward to staying in touch. I'm a big fan of yours from all that you're doing, uh, the work at Gray Duck to your charitable work to how you're leading your family. And I uh, just want you to know that we're going to continue to be supportive of the Greenway family and Chad Greenway moving forward. So thanks again for being you, Chad. You bet. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me on. It's an honor. All right, man. God bless you. Be well. All right. Thank you. This has been another episode of the Montgomery Companies podcast. We want to give our special thanks again to Chad Greenway for your time, energy, effort, and all your valuable insight. Thank you for impacting the Montgomery Companies community. We also want to say thank you to our producers of Storyline Multimedia, James Roth and John Choate. Thank you for all the work that you do behind the scenes. And finally, thanks for listening. Thanks to our audience. We appreciate uh, you tuning in. Thanks for being with us. We would love it if you would like, share, or subscribe to this podcast in an effort that we might move our mission of impact forward. Until next time, be well, be great. Have an amazing day.